You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. And let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode down at the Oklahoma Hall of Fame today uh, with my guest. Please welcome Jane Jero Gamble to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming down. Oh, it's just a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I know a lot about you. I've read your bio multiple times. Um, you know, I see your name everywhere in either you're on boards or you're doing things. Um, I have a lot of friends that went to OCU. So, oh, great. Um, you know, a lot of OCU alumni and, and just kind of I think a lot of people will know recognize your name right but you know the goal for today's podcast is to dive into you know why you do what you do kind of what led you to to go down the journalism route and and all of the amazing things that you've done that way the boards that you're on so excited to dive into things um I think the you know the we're down at the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. You were inducted in 2007. Greatest honor. Yeah. Tell me about that uh I mean that that time that induction ceremony that year and how was that when you got that oh, phone call? Oh, it was just uh, spectacular. It was it was something I guess that I'd hoped for but never expected, and um, because the thing I'm most recognized for is Miss America in 1967. But that's a long time from yeah. 1967 to 2007. You know, uh, and I did have a fairly public career, and yet still it was that event so long ago that perhaps set me apart from others and and I've always felt like that it was also the 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 careers and um, my passion for Oklahoma that also contributed to being chosen for the Oklahoma Hall of Fame um, because I I love this state my roots grow very deep and it's just always been an honor and privilege to be a part of the fabric of the state. Yeah, who uh, who introduced you at the at the ceremony that day? Well, that was a that's always a big choice, you yeah, know. It's a tough choice, you, right? It's a very yeah. tough choice, and I had some people that were nationally recognized, um, like Phyllis George and and 
um, there were others, Jimmy Webb, Scott Pelley, but I really wanted uh, Norman Neves, who was the senior pastor at United Methodist Church of the Servant. And I felt like he knew my core values and he knew all of my j- journey. He knew the really tough times. He knew the ugly times <laughs> and the dark times. And uh, yet he was also around for the, the victories. Yeah. And he was one of those people together with his wife, Kip, that always saw the best in me. And I think that's such an amazing gift to give to people, uh, no matter how much you stumble or mess up, that uh, like Jesus, they always see and care about who you are. And they're able to see through the mess to the good parts. Yeah. So growing up in Laverne. Laverne, uh uh-huh. so take us there. What's it like growing up in Laverne? Well, and if you was, have brothers and sisters and it house was the family, greatest, what's that like? It was the greatest way to grow up, yeah. I think. And it's always fun for me to connect with other people in Oklahoma City who are small town people uh-huh. because there is a difference in how you grow up. You miss out on some things. Like uh, I always loved music and there wasn't really a choral music department. I, w- I did play in the band and uh, I also sang a lot. But there was no no way to perform in a musical, and that was something I really wanted to do. My mother uh, would drive me. She was a fifth-grade school teacher. And on Wednesdays uh, after school, she would drive me to Beaver, Oklahoma, so I could take voice lessons with someone who was very good there. Uh, That's the kind of things that... are are limiting in a small town. I never could take dance lessons. But what you receive is so extraordinary. And that's the ability to do a lot of things and to risk failing. And that's such a great gift when you're young to know that if you fail, if you try to be a drum major or you want to be a cheerleader, uh, that you may not make it. But if you do, you can still stumble around. And it's okay because there's whole community there to support you. Uh, girls basketball was the big thing in Laverne. And I loved playing the game and did. And we had great teams. And uh, really, in thinking back, I didn't realize the value of it at the time. But I just think every time I'd step up to the free throw line at the time, uh, I could feel the support of a community. Every time we went to a tournament, there was the support of all these people that were cheering for you. And after the game, even if you didn't play that well, you know, you had people patting you on the back. Oh, you did a great job. Blah, blah. It was, it's a wonderful environment to be yeah. able to grow up in the midst of that encouragement. That's really special. Yeah, you're right. I've had a lot of guests on the podcast that have come from small towns and they said they share the same thing. Do right? they? You know, they, they get to do everything, right? And yeah, sometimes everything. it's not out of choice. You know, it's like you're being, you know, you're going to play this sport or you're going to do this thing because we need people to do it. To That's fill right. A team. I wore uh, my cheerleading outfit in the band so that we could do the pregame and yeah. I could still be a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, so you mentioned you're always singing, you know, you kind of had a love for, for band as well. Where does that love of music come from, from an early age? Oh, I think it's my family. Okay. Uh, but I also think it's something you're born with. And that is just, I was just listening this morning. I'm, I'm more interested in classical music at this stage of my life than I have been mm-hmm. previously. And Saturday night um, was 
was uh, Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, and it was just, I was listening to it again this morning. I was just kind of blown away. And I think not everyone has the same response. And there, there, I like all good music, I like to think. But certainly there's some music, some styles of music that speak to me and really connect. Uh, and that's always been the case. I remember being really small and I would... Uh, play some character in my mind, and it was always involving music. And I was blessed for the fact that my mother insisted that we participate in church when we were young, and that also meant the choir. She kind of had a philosophy that if you've been given a gift, it's your responsibility to give the gift back and to share it and develop it. So she did uh, everything that I really contribute to having that sense developed because it would have been so easy. I mean, she wasn't a pushy mother in terms of performance at all, but I loved to sing in front of people. So she just supported that and enabled me to do it yeah. as much as I could in that environment. Yeah, that's really nice. So for, because of that, then from a young age, then I guess you had your, your sights set on, I want to do this as a career. I want to do this for the rest of my life. How do I get in front of bigger, better stages? Right, right. And so the Miss America pageant was just a big dream of mine. I never even imagined that I could do it, but I dreamed about it. And I it was in my mind and I would practice walking down the runway and I would watch the pageant every year so because it just it seemed like that I don't know it just spoke to me yeah. and then I did want to go very much to Oklahoma City University because they had a great music department and they had great basketball teams at the time so it was like and they were Methodist which also fit for me but it was very expensive and my parents I had a full ride to another university and I got a small scholarship at OCU and and my parents, God bless them, they yeah. they just enabled me to do that. And that's one of those big turning points. You know, you make decisions as you travel down the road, but some of them are so critical in terms of where they lead. And without attending OCU, I would not have entered the Miss Oklahoma City pageant. I would not have had the support of, of that school of music, even though I wasn't a star there at all. Uh, the sorority and the people that were there, it was just the right step. And, yeah. and it led me very quickly to something that I would never have really thought could happen at that age. Right. Well, and, and you're so right. Like Oklahoma City University still to this day has everything you could possibly need for someone who wants to it go does. into music, pageants, sport, whatever it is. It does. Right. If it's, you need, you know, I could have really been lost at a big school because I was shy and I was from a small town and, and I didn't think that that was an asset always. Yeah. And uh, so OCU was just the right place for me. That's amazing. And obviously you're still doing a lot at OCU and, and, and a lot to give love back it. and still very involved it. at OCU, which I'm sure we'll get to. But so when you get to OCU then, what is, um, you know, what do you decide that I'm going to major in music and something? I can't, well, at that time growing up female in a small town, uh, there were women in uh, just a few professions. They were a teller at the bank. They were nurses. They were teachers. And I never 
could see beyond that, really. And I had a wonderful family life growing up, and my mother taught school. My sister taught school. That was later, of course, but my dad was a basketball coach and then uh, taught and then also was the school superintendent. So that that was what I thought I was supposed to do. So I majored in music education because a woman at that time always needed something to fall back on. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you never thought about a career. Yeah. And there was nobody on television news on the air except for Barbara Walters in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was, I majored in music education. Ironically, I had a, a job on campus and it was with the journalism department. And uh, I just feel enormously blessed that my uh, life gave me the opportunity to do television news because that was really the right fit for me. I'm passionate about music, always will be. I did some performing, but really the call for me was in the areas of communication, in particular television news. So so that's where then, you know, that kind of those two go together, right? You talk about, you know, doing Miss Oklahoma City pageants and then you're working at, a, at the journalism department and you will have the job there. What time does it become that you think, you know, I might have a career in journalism instead? It was much later. Okay. Um, Miss America, of course, changed my life. Okay. And uh, following that, I had lots of opportunities to do things and I, I really didn't think that much about television news yeah. until... Uh, in 1976 and 77, okay. I was divorced, uh-huh. uh, had no money, a new little baby, yeah. and I knew for the first time in my life that I've got nobody to depend on financially. My parents had helped me, but I wasn't going to let that stay a mm-hmm. staple. And um, so I took a job at the State Department of Education and kind of a, a throwaway opportunity for them is they had a lot of new channels I needed to fill. And they said, would you do a, a show, yeah. education show? So I started that. And about that time, they were beginning to uh, accept women in television news. Uh-huh. So because I had a high name recognition, uh, I auditioned for that. And I learned during Miss America that you never throw away anything. So I always try to prepare for any opportunity. Right. And then I can decide later if I feel like it's not the right one, but always to do your best. Yeah. And um, I loved it. I really loved it. Um, so that spark was lit then? Yes, yes. Yeah. Channel 5 yeah. and uh, television 6 and 10. It was, it okay. was, the hours are difficult yes. with children. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I loved the work. We just loved it. So... Yeah. Right. Had a, like so, 17-year career in that. Yeah, so, so I, I love that kind of comes later. So so let's talk about then going into the pageant stuff. Okay. And, and you know, you're you're at Oklahoma City uh, University, and does someone, do you just kind of knock on the door and say, hey, I'd like to do this? No. Like, how does that happen? No, I, don't, I didn't have that confidence. I had been all college queen in my freshman year. Okay. And so my sorority was like, oh, you're great. We want you to do this and that. Um, and then... One of the judges for the all-college contest 
uh, was Dolly Hoskins, and she called me about entering Miss Oklahoma City. And I thought, you know, I, I really want to enter a pageant someday, but I think I'll wait till I'm a senior and have more experience performing. And uh, she said, well, you need experience for that. So I thought, well, that's a good idea. I was, I was kind of up for anything. <laughs> and so... I entered Miss Oklahoma City with the understanding that, well, this will be great experience. I've never been in a pageant like this, so I'll get to perform. And I had my good friend Don Johnson from OCU, and he played for me, and we did a little medley. And uh, interesting side note on that is my parents, of course, didn't have a great deal of money, and a, going to OCU was a stretch. So I asked them for Christmas of that year, which was 19... 65, 66, if uh, they would buy me an evening gown. And so I walked to Shepherd Mall from OCU, and I found this great green, bright green evening dress. It was $50, and that's what they got me for Christmas because that's what I wanted. I entered the pageant in March, and the first meeting, they said, now we would really like you girls to all wear white evening gowns. <laughs> you don't have to. But we'd like for you to. Yeah. And I could not go back to my parents. I had a $50 green dress, and I was going to wear it. And I stood out like a sore thumb. And, but I won. Yeah. But when my mother saw me on the stage, she was like, oh, my gosh, why didn't we get her a white gown? <laughs> <laughs> and then you had to explain. <laughs> yeah, because everybody else wore a white, white yeah. gown. But it was... You know, I'm, I'm I'm grateful for those kinds of experiences. Yeah. Do, does the pa does the pageant kind of criteria and and just general form of how it goes evolve over time, or has it always kind of been you know like you know you you do perform, you do an act, and and you speak? It evolves over okay. time. It's kind of changed and changed and changed, yeah. and it's really not what it was when I won. Okay, uh, you know, when I won, there were just the networks on television, and uh, we were among the highest rated shows in America and there was there were none of the America's Got Talent right. or you know The Voice there was nothing like that so this was it was the American dream and, and seeing girls from your home state have their lives totally changed it was kind of a Cinderella story just yeah. dreams come true uh, you can't be you're not going to do well if you're not a hard worker and have those characteristics. But it was a great experience. And they still include talent, no longer swimsuit, and evening gown and interview. So the basics of it, that everything around it has changed so much. Yeah. So you and your green dress win yes. at Oklahoma City. What happens after that? You know, because you're like, I'm only supposed to be here to get experience. And That's you right. Win, and right? here and I you am. Get the crown and you know, win. Like, what has happened? Exactly. Uh, I was very fortunate because uh, Kurt, I'm throwing in these names because some of our listeners will yeah. remember them. Kurt Schwartz was the director of the Miss Oklahoma City pageant. And he had a, a secretarial assistant, Donna House, and she helped me. 
and she, we had the best time. And uh, I could, we couldn't find anything for my talent, so I borrowed something she had. I mean, it was that kind of relationship. Uh, my mom and I drove to Tulsa as uh, for the Miss Oklahoma pageant. I'd never been to Tulsa. And we got lost, of course, but it was, uh, from the beginning, it was a great experience, but I was totally intimidated. Nobody from Laverne came because it was harvest time. <laughs> Right. So there you go. And so my, my dad came for the last night, and he was kind of astounded. And he told my mother, you know, she might win this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he thought it was possible beforehand. Uh, but it was, it was great, and it was a huge, huge surprise to win. You know, I, I, I really wanted to be older and I'm not quite so naive. and um, But... It was, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're, I guess you're so innocent and green at that time. Right? Oh, you know, 19. Like, like, yeah. From Laverne. Zero life experience. Right. right? Zero. Yeah. Zero. But, uh, you know, I had, I had great support system. My family, OCU, uh, the pageant director, Tony Spencer at that time, yeah. really made all the difference. I would not have won without the suggestions that Tony made. And, uh, we drove to Atlantic City. I'd never been in an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, why don't we just drive? And got to go to New York beforehand, which had been a big dream for me. Yeah. And had a fabulous time. And I just said, oh, everything's worth it. All the hard work, because I got to see Broadway. I got to see Manhattan. And it was so much fun. And uh, then went to Atlantic City for the Miss America. And yeah. I remember turning to my mother as we went into the big opening presentation where all the contestants were there and their chaperones and my mother was my chaperone and I turned to mother and said I'm just so intimidated and scared I'm so happy this is the last time I'll ever do anything like this yeah <laughs> well Little didn't work out know. like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you guys drove all we the way drove there. all the way <laughs> tell me about that road trip well like, it was I, you know the it's back amazing we just had just had a tiny little place in the back seat to sit because I yeah. had we had hats and evening gowns and we had everything with us yeah. and uh it was great. It was, it was, and my pageant director, who could not come to, the only time she ever missed the Miss America pageant when she was director was that year. Yeah. And it, I was so disappointed for her because every, she was kind of a character and everybody knew her and she would have been, she would have been the happiest person right. there. Yeah. Even more so than I was, more so than my parents, because we were kind of scared at what happened and what's ahead. But Tony would have just loved it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, going from Laverne to to New York City in 1967, <sighs> right? Yeah, like, it was culture shock. That's two different worlds. It's two <laughs> different worlds. And one of the greatest gifts of that year is that I got to live in Manhattan. I lived, I had a suite in a hotel, and I traveled almost every day. But yeah. if I had uh, two days off, we'd go back to New York. Uh-huh. And uh, I always had a chaperone, except when I was there, and I could go shopping and uh, do be a little bit more normal. Yeah, it's a big it's a big shock at that time. It's not quite the same now, right. but that time, I mean, the minute the second you win, there's probably 70, 80 press people there, and I had to have armed guards. Yeah, and it was like, 
what in the world am I going to do? Didn't they pay attention, those judges? Didn't they see what a young, inexperienced person I was? So I'm glad they didn't. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's so many great things that come from that and come out of oh, that, right? You get just, to travel the world. You get to yes. live in New York. like this. Life-changing. A yeah. whole different future because of that. Um, and I think that attitude uh, really helped me as a, a candidate because uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't dead set on winning. Uh, I was just having the time of my life. I had a banner that said Miss Oklahoma. I got to walk that runway that I dreamed about and seen on television year after year. Got to meet all these wonderful young women from across the nation. And um, I love performing. And to think that I could perform on that stage. And again, we changed my talent to... uh, there was a popular song called One, Two, Three, and I also studied conducting. And so we changed my talent to singing and conducting the orchestra. I never rehearsed it live with an orchestra until the five-minute rehearsal <laughs> for my talent. And it's just like, great. But I practiced in our little garage in Laverne a million times. Yeah. So that just kind of takes over when you're that dedicated to doing something. Yeah, yeah, because you just take yourself back to it's, your garage, right? You don't think there's you know, right. hundreds of people no. across the wheel in front of me. Well, you it's just, your golfer, you're an yeah. athlete. It's mus- um, It's like muscle memory. Yeah, right. Uh, and fortunately, yeah. because it, it, I just, I loved it. I, I've won talent my night of preliminary competition, and it's a fun, fun song. And nobody had ever seen anything like it. And we really made it up. <laughs> so, so, it's great. so you win. So I and win. Like you just said, all, you know, all hell breaks loose, right? Yes. You've got people in you, you've got cameras in your face, you've got lights everywhere, yeah. people wanting interviews, wanting their sound bites. And this young girl from Laverne, Oklahoma. And my parents was, were going to leave. Like, my parents had to go home. Here? And I was like, oh, what am I going to yeah. do? They're going to find out that I can't say 10 words in front of people. Yeah. <laughs> So what then, after that kind of calms down, you know, and I guess the judges come to you and then you're on, you're on, you know, you're... That's it. Day one, you're day off. One, right? Yep, you're, you're off for a year. the road. Almost daily. Yeah. All over the <laughs> New country, York all over press, the world. You know, this all over the world. Okay. Yeah. At that time. God, and the, so good. It was amazing. Yeah. It, and I remember going to my first big luncheon. It was United Way kickoff campaign in Detroit and Jules Bergman, science editor for one of the networks, was the featured speaker. He was so kind to me. And I saw my name on the program. I, mean, I was sitting at the front on the speaker's table. My name, And I asked my chaperone, I said, what, what am I supposed to do? She said, well, just say a few words. <gasps> what few words? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is, and I'm from Oklahoma. Oh, from Laverne. <laughs> You guys are glad to be here. I don't know what I yeah. said, but people were, they were always so kind uh, and generous. Yeah. Even the New York press, which is oftentimes kind of hard on people. Yeah, a bit ruthless, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess you're, you're, I mean, you're famous now, right? Like, yeah. You know, you are yeah. Miss America. So what do you think about this? Yeah. What do you think about Vietnam? What do you think about, you know, being a spokesperson for my whole generation? Right. Um, 
And the pageant really doesn't help you on that. Right. Uh, They've done their bit. They've had yeah, their event. Yeah. You know. Now off, you're now it. You won. Okay. Now it's they'll Go take care it. of you. Yeah. yeah. So. Wow. It was. It was. I'm glad there wasn't social media at the time. Yeah. Can you imagine how hard that would have been? (laughs) Oh, my. If I made a mistake, you know, it would have been. Yeah. And and I made lots of mistakes. But people were kind and generous. They knew I was trying. You know, I'm not a fairly transparent person. And so I think they could see that. I was just doing my best. Yeah. Here well, I am. You're famous, right? And, you know, you take yourself to 1967 and, you know, for me, I think of all the famous, like, kind of singers, actors, like, you know, I'm a big fan of Steve McQueen and, you know, you think of Frank Sinatra and, and just whoever it is, like, you know, because you've won, you know, you've won this, yeah. you are effectively on the same level as they are, well, which is mad to think that, right? Is, but it's true. It is. And it's uh, instant. Yeah. And, you know, I did... Network. I did the Today Show like two days later, and but nothing was especially hard. I was right. on such a fast track yeah. that I just did what they, they organized it so incredibly well, yeah. and I made money almost every day. Which you know I'd been living on ten dollars a month allowance, yeah. plus everything was paid for at school. But and then all of a sudden you're making thousands of dollars, and the pageant uh, they booked. Everything I did, they took care of the tiniest detail. And all I did was, you know, just show up and do my best uh-huh. and keep going. Yeah. And it was amazing, really. Yeah, uh, for one year, you're just on this train. You're just right? on that. <laughs> and if you're older, I think you can appreciate it more yeah. uh, and, and take advantage of the opportunities. I was very homesick. You know, I wanted my friends. I wasn't, I wanted my family. Uh, and two years later, it would have been a very different experience. Right. Yeah. You mentioned combat and Vietnam. You yes. were the first. Yes, to go to know, a combat to zone. To a combat We'd zone. always had a tradition of mm-hmm. being uh, representative of this country yeah. and uh, being involved with USO trips, but mm-hmm. we had not been of late. And then uh, this had been a big dream of mine. Yeah. My, my father and my uncles all served in World War II, and I grew up in a very patriotic family. And J- Jane Froman was an actress-singer that uh, there was a movie about her called With a Song in My Heart, and I would love that movie. And I loved her. She was in a terrible accident, and she still kept going back uh, even though she no longer could walk easily, to be a USO performer, and so I, my first one of my favorite songs to perform was yeah. with a song in my heart. So I, every time they'd ask me about Vietnam, I'd say I just want to go, and uh, I didn't have a political opinion, uh, which I'm glad I didn't. I just knew that I wanted to perform for our guys who were serving. They. They may not have believed in the war either, but they served their country when asked or forced. (laughs) Since so many of my friends, you know, if you dropped out of college, you were gone. And uh, it was, without a doubt, the most impactful experience of that year. Uh, 
again, there were six of us from all different states who performed, and nobody had done this at this time going into a combat zone. So there were there were things that they improved upon yeah. uh, in in subsequent years. But uh, my cousin was there. There were a couple of, of guys from Laverne who were there that I saw. And that happened to all of us. And, uh, oh, wow, just great audiences. And you just left feeling, what's the least we can do? My gosh. And it was a sad time for America because these guys and gals uh, came back to an unwelcome country. And that was the hardest thing for me for a long, long time. And and I'd say in the last decade, maybe, there's been more attention paid to that. Um, yeah, it's, I can't imagine why, yeah, going over there, you know, like I said, just miserable. going to a war zone, you know? Yeah, and miserable, yeah. miserable environment. Right. And then seeing your buddy shot or your life changed. Yeah. Uh, and then being not appreciated is, is not... You know, yes, but the least. And, yeah, and nobody knows least. what you've dealt with. Right. Yeah, that's not great at all. Um, what to, to, to the point of kind of coming home and, and back, what was it like then after your year on the road of, of being in the limelight and, you know, doing go, going to these lunches with all these people and people just kind of in awe of you for a year, straight year? What's it like coming off of that? Well, that's a good question because that was the biggest adjustment. Yeah. I mean, you adjust to being Miss America, I'd say within a couple of weeks. Yeah. Or you're miserable. So you adjust to that and then and then you try you go back. And that's why if you're older, it works better. You're graduated from college and you're already were kind of flung into the world and you were more career oriented. For me, I'd had two years of college. I went back to OCU, which was wonderful for me because I still had my same group of friends. They were great. I fit right back in with them. Uh, but school was a little different. The first uh, morning I went to the cafeteria for breakfast, everyone stopped eating and turned and looked at me. I was mortified. Uh, I never went back. I never, I'd already paid my meal plan. Yeah. I never went back uh, to, to eating over there. But the rest of the school is small enough, uh -huh. and the kids that go there are pretty focused yeah. on what they're doing. So that being on campus was comfortable. Yeah. Uh, it was tough to date because as a 19-year-old, Dating, I, I was intimidating to most right. most guys. So I dated a few older people, and then then yeah. life became more normal in time, but, well, but yeah. not completely. Well, and and too, like when when you're in that position, right? You know, you, you're you're Miss America, right? You're effectively yeah. the most beautiful. Well, know, female not, in America not. at that time. Nobody you know? is. Right. Who wins? But, the, no, but that's, that's everyone the thinks year, that. Yeah, you've had a year on the road of people. Right. You know. So you have all this marketing that everyone else at home is seeing, and then you walk in the cafeteria and I was like, yeah. she's just arrived, you know, right. she's here, right? And you, you get that feeling like, 
I don't have three heads, so I'm not an I alien. Know, I'm just, you I know, know. Jane, just me, you know. We went to, I remember going to an OU basketball game, and this was even a few years later, and a friend of mine who worked on television, she said, don't you kind of like it when you walk in and everybody looks? I said, no, I really don't. Yeah, I've been through that before. <laughs> it's, it just makes me shy again. Yeah. Uh, it's, un, it's a kind of an unnatural feeling. Right, when everyone's kind of looking so. at you, yeah. Like, even if it's good or bad, it's like, why are you all looking at me? I know, you know it's like, but it's, it's it was a little uncomfortable for yeah. me. Performing is different, yes, than being alive and living. Yeah, uh, and and I, I I'm not the only performer that is like that. But you get into a kind of a not a character because you're still yourself, mm-hmm. but still there's something that kind of takes over when you're performing, and I'm grateful that 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 I have the ability and enjoyment yeah. of doing that. Did, did this, this year then being, um, you know, Miss America on the road, did that, when, when you came back to, to OCU, did that change your kind of view on what you want to do in the future? Oh, absolutely. Still, okay. And, and you were making money, right? So you still had money right, to, I had, you know, to uh, do, and you still had stuff I had money, money in the bank now. And I had scholarships. I graduated, didn't pay another penny. Yeah. And that's the Miss America scholarship. Yeah. And so that's fabulous. And there was still some left to take uh, to work on my master's, which I did. Uh, but what really changed, uh, several mm-hmm. things, but I had always dreamed of trying for Broadway okay. and uh, doing music theater. And what I discovered about myself that year was traveling all the time, not being part of a stable community, was, wasn't for me. Yeah. So I no longer wanted to be on Broadway. Okay. I loved music theater. I continued to do that. But I also knew that I wasn't a teacher. And I actually did my student teaching and that was confirmed. <laughs> I wasn't a teacher. Everybody in my family teaches school. I couldn't get the kids to do anything. <laughs> it's just not, it's not my calling. And uh, so then to, I, I really kind of stumbled around a bit in terms of trying to find, you are hired a lot to MC local pageants throughout the country. So, and that paid very well. So I, I did that and uh, got married, and, um, and, but was real, still real, really searching. I did music theater in Oklahoma and in Texas, uh, but again, I, didn't, I, I wanted to be here. You know, I wanted to be close to my family and my friends and have the same church every Sunday, and uh, that was really important. Yeah, so that's, I guess, when we get to slowly get to you doing the journalism thing then. Yes, yes. Yeah, 10 years later. Right. Okay. Right. To which you had a lot, you know, obviously very successful doing it, ended up taking you to Dallas to do yes. that down there and, you know. I just, I, I loved successful. it. It was just hard to combine that with being a mom. And I yeah. was a single mom most of my son's life. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the tough, tough part. Yeah. And when I was in Texas, uh, I loved working there. I had the the newsroom was just fabulous. Scott Pelley, who's a CBS News anchor in 60 Minutes, he was my producer. He was just a young guy. And uh, the people I worked with and the actual work, I just loved it. But I didn't have family there. And that meant for my son, who was in first grade, if there was any kind of crisis or anything, I would... I, I was in trouble with that. And then trying to travel was... And so every year, 
about the same time I signed my contract with KXAS in Dallas, Fort Worth, Lee Allen Smith from Oklahoma would call me and say, are you ready to come home yet? And one year I said, yeah, I think I am. I need to for my son. And so Lee Allen, who was general manager at Channel 4 in Oklahoma City, uh, said, well, what what newscast do you want to do? I said, I'd like to do the five and six, but I need money. (laughs) I need to be paid well to do that. And he said he took care of it. That's amazing. He's so great. He's so fabulous. He's so great. He's I love him great. so much. Yeah, he, uh, he he tells great stories, too. I bet. We had a fantastic chat with him last year at his house. He oh, was, I'm so uh, glad. Yeah, Because he, he is stories. one of a kind. Yeah. And he is Mr. Oklahoma. Yeah. No doubt about it. So that brings you back to Oklahoma City, then? Yeah, yeah. And so and happy to come back. I was so happy to come back. Uh Probably working in news was a little harder to do then after being in a top 10 market than to come back here and not even be doing the 10 o'clock. So I had a bit of adjustment doing the five and six. And then the stations sold and they looked and thought, I'm paying, we're paying this national company that bought the station. I'm paying Jane Giroux and Linda Cavanaugh this much. And they're not even on the 10 o'clock. Well, Linda was on the 10 o'clock. And the other spot that made them more money was early morning. So they came to me. I hadn't even signed a contract going forward because I trusted Lee Allen. Everybody did. So much. And then he was out overnight. And I didn't have a contract. And they came and said, we will keep you at this salary only if you go to the early morning. And talk about... Not a fit. <laughs> and when they mean early morning, they mean 3 a.m. early morning. Really early morning, <laughs> yeah. like 3 a.m. Yeah. You're right. And so I went back to Channel 5 at that time okay. and did the 6 and 10 o'clock. And then Tyler's, my son's senior year of high school, um, I left the industry and yeah. went to another job. Okay. What did you go to? Uh, I was a spokesperson for the Oklahoma Health Center, okay. vice president of the Presbyterian Health Foundation, yeah. and I did medical news then for Channel 5, okay. did stories, but that gave me a regular yeah. time, and uh, they had a great person kind of in the wings to uh, Jennifer Eve. She did yeah. a great job, and so, but I never, in terms of television, the greatest experiences for me were beginning in at Channel 5. We had yeah. a fabulous news director and a great news team. And then the time in Dallas was great. Yeah. But I loved it all. I mean, I just, right. I loved it all. Well, and you're home. Right? I was I home. So I was better. back at my church and I had my friends and my mother was three and a half hours away and could come. She yeah. was getting ready to retire. And uh, so every time as a single mom again, you know, Tyler had to have his wisdom teeth out. Not only was I working, but I just wanted somebody's emotional support. He was so precious to me. And I think for single moms, it's the lack of emotional support as much as anything. Just never having that backup. Well, what do you think we should do? I don't know. (laughs) Call your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a lot to thank my mom for. She's great. That's great. Just all the 
uh, my grandma, you know, my aunt. Like, it's just, you're right. Just that emotional support that generally yeah. a, a dad or an uncle doesn't give you that yes. you sometimes need every now and then. Absolutely. And I, I am the emotional one in my family. So oh, that's I great. definitely needed it. Uh, so yeah, this is kind of, you know, you're, you're back home now. You're, you know, you're, you're move away from the new station, you're in a different job, but you're still telling stories. You're still kind I'm of I'm still doing telling awesome stories. Yeah. It's always come down to that, really. Um, or communicating things that people care about. Yeah. I like to think, even as a volunteer, that that's the skill set that I brought to a board of directors, is uh, I might struggle to understand the budget. Yeah. <laughs> but I love people. I love Oklahomans. And I'm always interested in finding a way to encourage others through the stories of real people. Yeah. The other things that, that are kind of, you know, you've been involved in is also the tourism side of Oklahoma. Yes. Right? Which, which goes was a, to your love of Oklahoma. Absolutely. And uh, I thought I knew Oklahoma until I was cabinet secretary of tourism and yeah. head of the tourism department. And that was just so much fun. Uh, I had, again, a great staff that could fill in my deficiencies, and uh, but I got to travel and visit all the state parks, and I saw places in southeastern Oklahoma I didn't know were there, and they were magnificent. Yeah. And I saw places in northwestern Oklahoma where I'd grown up I'd never been to uh, that were just spectacular. And so that was a natural for me, and I yeah. loved it, being able to tell Oklahomans why they should be proud, why they sh- how they could enjoy the state, uh, what great resources we had, and selling Oklahoma out of state and out of the country even. Yeah. Well, when you were used to traveling and yes. you said you're, you know, Tyler's older at that point, you could right. really go on the road. Right. And, and you have this, you know, this love to tell stories and what better stories to tell than from your own state. That's right. That's right. So, so cool I really that. enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, but as is, is often the case, when the governor changes, that position changes. Yeah. So You did it for a while, though, didn't you? I did it for four years. Yeah. I, I wish I'd had eight yeah. because it, it was a very steep learning curve. I'd never been involved with, involved with government. Yeah. And uh, I that was a whole different thing. Uh, and then just understanding the workings. Uh-huh. Uh, Frank Keating, who's uh, the governor that appointed me, and he was great, but yeah. he would he would never waste any time. He didn't. He met at breakfast. He met at lunch. If he had a day that he didn't have a luncheon scheduled, he'd call cabinet secretaries in because he would always say, "We're in a hurry. Government changes slowly, uh-huh. and so you can't waste any time in trying to do make these changes that we feel are important to make." Yeah. So uh, it was really a busy year. Yeah. Well, and something that you're used to, but it I sounds like. It. Right? Yeah. And then right. you're just sitting around doing nothing, you, no, you, you get bored that. very easily yeah. doing that, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, tell, tell me about, because uh, so you've also, you've written two books, right? Yes. Well, let's see. I've written two books, okay. and then um, I participated in. Um, a coffee table book, and I wrote the narrative. Okay. So there are a few other things, but yeah. primarily, well, three, primarily yeah. three books, where I does, guess. Where does the love of writing come from? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it was just always there. I was just uh, a crazy kid when it came to reading books. I mean, I read all the time. And part of that is my love of the fantasies, of the dreams, 
so that was appealing. But I just loved reading. Part, and it sounds so stupid. What, what part of what I loved about uh, news anchoring was, I think, my writing. It, it extended my writing ability, and I loved to read on camera. Uh, it's, it was just a huge part of my life, reading and writing. I always journaled as a kid, and uh, music uh, didn't really, uh, I didn't really expand that much, but you get a great liberal arts education at OCU, so my writing uh, was there. I had great teachers, and then my master's degree was in uh, humanities. Okay. I, I st- did a lot more writing, but I had not written for public use like that yeah. until television news happened yeah. and uh, the first news director where I worked quit because they hired me and because uh, he thought and, and the first anchor was the same they just thought I was you know going to sit there like a Barbie doll and they'd have to do everything for me but I loved the writing I loved it and always did my own writing uh, yeah. and yeah it's, and, and I mean Reading a teleprompter is really hard. I've tried. It's harder it's very than hard it to do. looks. Yeah. It does. And the cadence and how, you know, it's Right, all... and making it sound natural as if yeah. you were just speaking to people. It is a lot harder than yeah. it looks, and I like doing it. I don't yeah. know what that says, but... Well, and, and it sounds like it, it might be a little easier if you have written it already, rather yes. than someone oh, it's writing a, it for you. That's right? that's a good observation because it's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, I can read anything on a teleprompter that somebody writes and can do it almost without mistakes for a long period of time, but uh, it makes all the difference, whether I'm emceeing or doing television news... If I write it, it's so much easier to deliver. Yeah. One thing I think people will know your name for, you know, is just you're just very involved, you know, with boards or, I mean, you're current president of the Oklahoma City Philharmonic, which yeah. obviously had recently had a pretty big event. With yes. Mr. Bell, I believe, is that his job? Yes, Joshua Bell. Okay. Um, so you're very involved with a lot of stuff. And we'll get to the Philharmonic thing because I do want to talk about that in a second. But tell me, you know, we've got a... When I text, like I told you, when I text Lance McDaniel asking him that I was, you know, <laughs> telling him that I was interviewing you today, he said, Jane has to talk about Esther Women. That's so sweet of him. Yeah, he's great. He is. So. I adore him. And uh, I keep telling his parents, whom I'm very close to, mm-hmm. that I know Lance is getting older, but we would still like to adopt him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> At any really... time, <laughs> we would do that. Yeah. Because uh, Brenda, his mom, grew up. In Laverne, too. I don't oh, know. really? Okay. Close. She was on a farm, but uh, okay. so we have lots in common. Lots of history. Yeah, lots yeah. of history. Well, when I was serving as a cabinet secretary mm-hmm. for Governor Keating, there was an assignment editor, assignment editor, that's, that's news, uh, the appointments director, and that was Kay Dudley. And I didn't know Kay before I served in that position, and she became my mentor. I loved her and she was a great woman of faith and so if I was just really bummed out because I felt like I was in over my head uh, I would go in and talk to Kay and she would always say just remember you were created for such a time as this which is the scripture from Esther that most people remember and so it was so important to me to be reminded that God doesn't put us places and and desert us but that there was a uh, I had support 
And even if I made mistakes, what really mattered was my relationship with him and that I, he would see me through. And so I thought, you know, I think there are a lot of women in uh, high positions, meaning a position of authority or a position of philanthropy or uh, professionally, and that probably need to hear that. And when this job is over, I'm going to do a series for women in leadership positions, and I'll call it Esther Women. So I did that the year following when I left uh, government. And it was a one-time thing, six weeks, invited 40 people. Well, I invited a lot of people. 40 people signed up, and they were mostly friends in government, Supreme Court justices, beautiful women in philanthropy, uh, leaders of all kind, of yeah. pastors, uh, and so when it was over, they loved it and said, you can't quit. <laughs> well, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. And uh, after being there about 12 years, I think, I was done. And then my friend, who was uh, associate minister at the time at St. Luke's, came to me and she said, if you're finished, then be content with that. But if you want to go public, St. Luke's will help you. And I said, you know, right now, Linda, I just, I can't think of one speaker and it's just a burden. It's become a burden. And, but I'll, she said, well, just sleep on it and pray about it. So I said, okay. The next morning I woke up, I had the whole season in my mind, every speaker and exactly how we'd do it. And then it took a lot of work from Linda Brinkworth, uh, and, and the support of St. Luke's to make that happen. We didn't know if there'd be, we'd had 40 didn't know if there'd be 100, uh, but the room held 450, and it's been full ever since, uh, which is... Now, COVID was... Sure. We didn't do the same thing then, and, but it, usually with a waiting list, and it's just been a huge blessing for me. I mean, I won't, I won't say that it's not work, because it is, but it is a blessing, and it's a sense of purpose and meaning that's very rewarding for me. Yeah. And now Terry Cornett is helping me because I, I have gotten myself in the last year in a position of doing some other things that I couldn't keep doing it at the same level, and Terry is helping me. I mean, the first thing I can think of is it goes back to what your mother told you, right? When you have a gift, you should perfect it, <laughs> yeah. and you, but you should also like give back, and, and that's exactly what you've done, right? Well, Created. And obviously now with the help of so many other people to grow it and get it to where yes. it's at, but it starts with that idea. It and does. And it's been ingrained in you since you were a little girl that You're you, know, right. you look back through your life and you see that there's all these little decisions that you've made that come back to that, you know, you, you have a gift, right? And it, you sh it's your job to perfect that gift and get it better, but it's also your job to give back to others and create life, you know, your life to help other people as well. Well, there's great joy in that. And so I am grateful that I had that early training. Yeah. Uh, my mother made me go to choir practice. I was the only kid in choir practice. <laughs> I just would complain, <laughs> complain. And the minute I'd get there, you know, they just all made over me and it, I loved singing and I really loved it. But I, w I wouldn't tell my mother that. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Those are the teenage years, yeah, exactly. you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be here. Why are you dragging right. me? Right. Why do I have yeah. to go? I want to go be. Nobody else has to friends. go. Yeah. She definitely. had none of it. She had none of it. 
<laughs> uh, I, there's so many conversations like that that we have with our parents, right? 10, yes. 15 years later, you're like, you know, thank oh, you, because I really enjoyed you. that. I didn't at the time. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I appreciate it now. That's right. So yeah. true. So recently then, you're, you're, I mean, you're president of Phil- Oklahoma City Philharmonic. Back yes. to, you know, love of music and classical music now as well. Yes. And you're you're leading that. Um, it's been a, it's been a, joy. I've just enjoyed it so much. And uh, we had a little rough spot because our executive director moved on unexpectedly. And so it required a lot more of my time. Uh And yet I'm grateful for that too, because it enabled me to kind of dig deeper into the organization. And and it's always about relationships for me uh, and getting to know the staff is just really uh, talented and and work as a team and but it's it's it they're primarily new yeah. so but you know COVID did that to a lot of organizations and so I've loved it and I've always been involved at some level with OCU uh-huh. and now I'm vice chair of the board so uh, but I again I yeah. I think it's because I wanted more children and I didn't have the chance to do that so it's I yeah. love getting to know our students and uh, seeing their career and many of them I stay connected to for mm-hmm. forever yeah uh, and that's just such a gift that's brilliant one of, one of the things that you've kind of referred to multiple times while we've been chatting as well is just the fact that we should dream more you dream a mm. lot right and you kind of manifestation, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's clearly something that you've experienced, you know, by dreaming you were going to walk down, you know, the the pageant strip and then all this stuff. And then, you know, obviously through hard work, it gets there, but it does start with dreaming. It does start with dreaming and and not accepting uh, maybe the expectations that others have for you, but trying to define them yourself. Yeah. but yeah, I, I never was a person that just had, you know, this is a goal, this is a goal, this is a goal. But I, I, I had the dreams. And uh, Kristen Chenoweth and Kelly O'Hara um, are friends of mine who are graduates of OCU and have achieved amazing stature in their field of uh, music. So I, I've, I've had conversations with them, why, especially Broadway. Why do you think these, I mean, they're all, they're both Oklahomans. They're both Hall of Famers. And why do you think you can go to New York? What made you think that? And I think it's just you don't know what you can't do. You know, you grow up in the midst of encouragement with your family and your community. And it's not that you have a lot of confidence that you can be great. It's just that you want to do it. And so you don't know what you can't do. So... You just do it, yeah, and and work hard, but and don't ex. It just seems to work for yeah. our kids, yeah. and I think that's wonderful that they don't know what they can't do. Yeah, I I, I mean completely. Agree. I'm a big dreamer. I'm the dreamer. Oh, me and my wife. My wife's more like the you know like the strategic kind of yeah. like the planner, and I'm like oh, I'll dream about it. And we'll figure it out. <laughs> Uh, which has been, this is how I ended up with the podcast, I think, about Oklahoma. I did never thought I'd be doing something like this, but, you know, you, sometimes you just have a yeah. dream of figuring something out. And That's right. Yeah, I don't it's think how the we're dream, made. Yeah, the dream wasn't to be a podcaster, but the dream was to kind of be in this sort of area, right? And uh-huh. kind of figure it out. Um, but I, I, I keep thinking back to, you know, we wouldn't be here today uh, if it wasn't for Dolly Hoskins, right? Oh, 
Like we wouldn't, you would, you know, of all, you, you mentioned kind of taking turns and, and you going to OCU was such a big yeah, turn, a pivotal a moment in your point. life. And then, you know, there's all these people that direct but you. But she and, called, yeah. you're right. It's amazing. I, I love, st- you know, every time I do a podcast like this, there's always, there's always a point in someone's yes. life that they're, or a person, you know, and, and for me, it's, you know, it's, I have the same, same thing. You know, I have someone in my life that was, gave me the opportunity to stay in this country uh, or the idea to stay in this country. And, you know, for you, it's, you look back and you're like, I would oh, never have gone for experience, you know, and then. No, I'm glad you pointed that out. I'd never really thought about Dolly because all she did was call me. Right. And encourage me and, and be kind of persistent. Uh, but then Tony Spencer, I, I promise you I would not have won. I might not have made the top ten if she hadn't changed my talent and worked with me all the time. Yeah. Uh, to not sound too Oklahoman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sound, yeah, you're right. Uh, but then, you know, and then there was a news director at Channel 5 who right. just mentored me and and encouraged me and they're just they're sprinkled throughout life yeah um and and then it's our job mm-hmm. to be the sprinkler yeah, <laughs> going <brilliant>. forward <laughs> finishing up then what is what are you working on right now what's kind of top of mind at the moment what are you excited about um, what do you want to tell people listening that they you know is there any shows coming up what uh because oh, you're well, very the, busy, you know. Yes, and the Philharmonic has a great sh- show coming up. Alexander, who's from the Maestro, yeah. from Germany, loves Oklahoma stories. Yeah. And so he is doing that. And so in May, we're honoring what would have been the 100th birthday of Clara Looper. Okay. And it's going to be amazing, just amazing, uh, musically as an experience for Oklahoma City. So uh, that's great. And next season's been announced. It's going to be great as well. Okay. Uh, OCU, oh, if you like entertainment, there's not a better spot in Oklahoma than to experience that dance school and the music school. And so I'm always looking forward to that. The best experiences, uh, it's, no, it's no accident that Christmas is Vespers, OCU Vespers, OCU Dance Show, and the Philharmonic. And church, of course. That's year-round as well. So uh, I'm always excited about those kinds of things. I did write, uh, as part of COVID, I wrote, um, volunteered to write a column for the Oklahoman, and I felt a calling to do that. I thought, there's no way they're interested in that. No way. But they did it. And uh, they signed me up. And so for the last three years, I've written a weekly and then bi-weekly, weekly and then every other week okay. column for the Oklahoman that are devotional, inspirational in nature. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going, I've, I've stopped doing that and I'm going to do a book with that and do some new ones. And Great. so that will be another project. Yeah. <laughs> I know people look at me and go, are you sure you want to be this busy? It's just natural for yeah. me. Well, that's, I mean, it keeps you going. You that's love right. doing it. You know, I if do. You, if you didn't like doing it, it would be different. That's right. Know? Like, that's right. Really another one. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, for people listening, uh, the website for Oklahoma City Philharmonic is just okcphil.org. So that's go right. to that for all the information. Um on, on Clara Lupa's 100th birthday Thank you show. for letting and me met, share that. I've met Alexander. And, uh, oh, he, great. He needs to come on the podcast. He I've does, met him a couple and he times. loves he's, Oklahoma. He's brilliant. And, um, uh, you know, I, I know we'll have the Oklahoma stories is yeah. just a fabulous idea. And, 
we've got our first recording on Nexus, which is a big deal in the classical world. Mm-hmm. And have, it's a bright future for yeah. the Philharmonic. Well, thank you so much for coming down, spending an thank hour of your you. time telling stories. I know there are hundreds of stories we didn't get to, um, but thank you so much for everything you do. I really appreciate it. Um, congratulations on being in the Oklahoma thank Hall of Fame. You. Thank uh, you. 2007. It's still a, it's still a great honor. Always yeah. will be. And um, yeah, for everyone listening, I will, uh, well... I will post the link to all in the description to everything you need to find the website for the Oklahoma City Philharmonic and uh, we'll find the website for Oklahoma City University's events and put that in the link as well. And yeah, thank we'll you. catch you next episode. Cheers. Okay. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor. They do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma and without their support, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.